Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and we're doing a special deep dive today on Mission Impossible 7 or Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. And I have two special guests who are action aficionados. My guests are Rebecca Ringley and Rin Olsen. Rebecca is a LA-based casting director with over a decade of experience in scripted and unscripted series casting. She's currently part of the casting team responsible for The Real Housewives of Orange County, The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and shows within the 90 Day Fiance universe, which you know that means I am super excited. And then Rin Olsen is an actor and writer based also in LA. She's originally from Alaska and she never backs down from a challenge, be it navigating the 405 at rush hour, learning how to surf, or watching every single Mission Impossible movie, this one included. So major, major spoiler alert for every film in the Mission Impossible franchise. And also we go into some details about the Fast franchise. So spoiler alert for that as well. And now without further ado, here's We're Watching What? Welcome to the both of you. I'm so excited. We've had to hold on because we saw the movie together, but we I, I made us not talk about it. I'm guessing, did you two cheat and talk about it to each other before this? A little bit. A little bit? <laughs> A little bit. Yeah, we sort of recapped it immediately afterwards and then both went our separate ways and we're like, okay, we're going to, we have specific things we'll talk about too. Okay. I appreciate that. Before we dive into the longest titled Mission Impossible in the world, I'd love to know from the both of you, what makes a great action movie to you? Like, what are some of the gold standards of what you're looking for in a film? Ooh, that's a great question. I mean, action movies come in all shapes and forms, but I think Rin and I have noticed a couple trends. We really like, you know, a big team sort of built up. We prefer like a heist or some kind of fun action set pieces, but definitely they have to have like momentum and really creative uses of violence. Um, (laughs) you know, as well as like some humor. I don't like any action movies that are humorless, personally. Okay. Yeah, for me, an action movie is like the quintessential hero's journey. I want to have those specific markers of like, you know, the hero, like the inciting incident. I want to see where like the hero refuses the call. I want to see like the dark (laughs) night of the soul. And I want to see that all happen in like fun locations, really tight dialogue. I also really love when action movies introduce one thing and then bring it up again later which is just good writing but it's also like like, callbacks (laughs) (laughs) exactly but yeah I think Rebecca touched on like really developing the the team as family if it's a series something like you know the villain now becomes the family and it's just like this ever-growing group of people that you want to root for all that Fast and Furious. I was just yeah. going to say, so what you're yeah. saying is the Fast franchise is actually your gold standard for action movies. <laughs> I'm not saying them, that with yeah. judgment. I love the Fast franchise. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I think that they're a big, big part of it. Okay. But if it's like a solo action film, less so, you, you enjoy the sort of group dynamics? Hmm. I'm thinking hmm. of something like Nobody, which was sort of a solo group, or sorry, a solo one. Yeah. And then you have like John Wick. There's like a lot of solo sort of man takes revenge kind of action movies. I think fewer ones with women. I mean, plenty still, but those can work too. It's just like a different beast. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you you don't count The Mother with J-Lo as a classic action <laughs> film. <laughs> Technically, Wait, she has a teenager it. with her. Oh my God, don't. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a Netflix like movie of the week action film. Yes. I, I don't particularly recommend it, but you know, you are adults who can make your own decisions. Um, but with that, let's get into Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Did this fulfill all your hopes and wishes? 
<laughs> did you even have hopes and wishes? Because that's too broad of a question. Uh, you know, d- you know, did you have expectations for it, and did it did it potentially meet them? You know, I think for me, Mission Impossible, having watched all of them now, um, they really built up in how much I enjoyed them and expectations. And so for this one, it was like, how could it meet all of them? But with that being said, it was like, I think it did, actually. There were so many great little action sequences and even the parts that I'm sure we'll talk about um, where I was like, oh, really? This is what what we're doing? I'm willing to overlook because they were so fun. Okay, Rebecca? Yes and no. In terms of all right, my expectations for this film, I'll start there, were that it was going to be loud and silly and big and fun. And we were going to see Tom Cruise take off his face and show other faces and jump off of scary things and generally throw his body into whatever you know pit or fire that's available. And it accomplished all those things. I prefer some of the earlier movies, particularly Mission Impossible 3, just because I mm. love the stuff when he had a wife and it felt like he was trying to grasp at a normal life and that was sort of ripped away. I like stories like that better a little bit, but I mean, this had all the action. I thought it was a fun time overall. I think if it had been about 30 minutes shorter, I would have had a very fun time. I had a decent time. Like I was laughing <laughs> yeah. uh, at the screening we were at. So I want, I, I want to go into the wife thing because this is the one point we discussed <laughs> coming out of the theater. Yeah. Is that, did you two rewatch any of them before going into seven? No. No. Okay, I did not either. And so we were all confused by the sudden retconning of, or not retconning, but I guess like additional backstory of <laughs> the murder of, I don't even remember who. Who did he murder? It's mur- just some lady. It's, it's just some lady. Isai Morales murders someone, period. <laughs> yeah. That was baffling. <laughs> yeah. And they spent a co- like more than a few minutes trying to sort of wonder like, have I been gaslit? Like, have I, <laughs> did I see this and somehow forget it all? And I'm like, no, I'd never seen any of those those sort of flashback sequences where he's there's some kind of tunnel and this woman he loves clearly is getting killed by some hot guy. And there's this rivalry <laughs> like I just I, none of it, none of it rang true for me. And then realized, oh, wait, none of that was in any of the other films. So it's a it's a curious kind of addition to me. Fair enough. Yeah, I remember watching it in the like in, at the screening with you both and being like, yeah, this wasn't in any of the movies. Okay, so you at least remembered in the moment, like, this was, no, this was new, or you realized that this was new information. Yeah, because it had been, like, his wife had been such a key part in, I think, five and six, or four and five, something it like was that. three, sorry. Oh, three. Um, okay. she, he gets married in three, and then four, she's back around. Right. I forgot and- he had a wife. <laughs> I forgot he got married. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's just, I feel like they're building off of the kind of the feelings or the storyline they'd started in those two movies as just a, like a, surely we can make you remember this. Uh-huh. But, yeah. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. And we're back. I mean, from the get-go for me, I was like, what is happening with this movie? But then at the same time, I, I would love to talk about the sort of military briefing scene, because I think that was pretty oh. early on. Or I, as I call it, like, singular monologues and pontifications like it's just because everyone kept talking and then would finish their full sentences which unless you're also recording a podcast where Leo online which is what we're doing now people rarely do that they usually talk over each other but for me I think something like a mission impossible is 
really designed for like a lowest common denominator. So even though you don't remember any of the other bits, if you're me, they're going to spoon feed you the, <laughs> the you know, the, the stakes and also the backstory that didn't exist before. But I'm curious yeah. as to like how that scene set the tone for the two of you. I thought it was silly. It was just silly top to bottom. You have all these good actors who are recognizable. The dad from Revenge, Carrie, I can't pronounce his last name. Elves. <laughs> Elves. Just like you said, saying full sentences to completion that are just exposition. Um, so it was, you know, just silly set, sort of table setting stuff, explaining the AI, explaining it's a danger. And then, of course, you know that there's someone else in the room with them, either the AI or Tom Cruise. So it's, it just felt like set up. Yeah, it is yeah. funny because I was like, why is this man so heavily featured in the background forgetting that the whole thing about Mission Impossible is like, because I was like, what? this guy is here. He's listening to every, I thought he was going to be like a double agent for the Russians or something. Right. I was like, oh no, it's Tom Cruise. <laughs> I should actually probably amend what I said earlier about meeting all my expectations because this scene <laughs> made me furiously angry um, oh. at how boring it was. It was like, you both said it was like, you had all these great actors and like, People who each each person you can go, oh, I know them from that. I know them from that. Um, and they're delivering all this very stilted dialogue. And I feel like in other Mission Impossible movies, a scene like this would have been fun and silly. And instead, it was just sort of plodding. Like, we get several shots of, like, definitely not Tom Cruise, you know, in the background, just, like, lurking. And so this just felt like, this just felt like too much of a setup for the audience where it was like I yeah I know there's some sort of big tech thing coming but like are you guys explaining it to us or each other or like it was just very weird and very slow yeah I was just gonna add that I think in previous movies they've done this better by having it like on the move like getting mm. this information in different ways where we're seeing action happen instead of just you know 10 white men standing in a room I don't remember if hey, all hey right. there was at least one lady <laughs> I right. think there was, right. I actually yeah, don't there was remember one. And maybe like a black guy somewhere in there. <laughs> Probably one, just yeah. for, you know, yeah, yeah. the scene. But it wasn't just people standing around talking to each other, which is criminally boring. So I would have preferred a little bit of action mixed in there too. The best part is that is not the only sitting around like a, you know, no. seating stuff scene we got where they're going to go heavily into the plot. But they needed to, they, need, they were letting us know. So, you know, it's one of those things where, they brought it back. Yeah, much to it's a callback. Thing. It's a callback. <laughs> Again, I'm going to amend that statement too because I, I put my callbacks in terms of like a fun piece of information that comes in to solve the problem or like you know, technology, not like, here's the same scene again, explaining to you the same thing you've actually probably heard. I, I'm not gonna lie. I laughed very hard in that scene because I was just like, <laughs> oh, this is this movie. And then uh, I think when Rob Delaney showed up, yeah. I, the whole movie laughed. Well, I love him. I think he's great. But it was just like, no, you don't belong in this movie in this role, sir, having to deliver these lines. <laughs> oh. oh, I love seeing him. That was so funny. I mean, perhaps this is all just Tom Cruise saying, like, can we write, like, two or three scenes where we all just sit? Yeah. Yeah. Tom Cruise is getting older, you know, and, and it, it yeah. makes it easier to, like, average the heights out. And <laughs> Fun trivia fact question. Do you know how tall Tom Cruise is? Is he 5'7"? He's 5'7", and air quotes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Do you know how tall the ladies of this film are? I believe that Rebecca Ferguson is, like, 5'4". Haley Atwell, I think, is 5'8", and I think Vanessa Kirby is 5'9". 
Excellent guesses. And this is all according to internet, so we're putting this in sure. air quotes. Rebecca Ferguson is 5'5". Five five. Okay, Supposedly, yeah. both Haley Atwell and what's her name? Vanessa Kirby are both 5'7", which means that they had to spend this whole movie trying to make them read shorter than Tom Cruise, which I think is the greatest stunt of this entire film. <laughs> I just don't believe Haley Atwell is, I think she's five, like at least 5'8". I believe you, but like, you know, I, my other guess is that the in, they had to go back and like scrub the internet and Tom Cruise made it happen. He was like, you have to be at least the same height as me. <laughs> or they can't be I taller can than it. me. Listen, I have been in casting situations where I couldn't mm. cast the person I wanted because they were taller or as tall as the male lead that I'd already cast. Yeah. So it happens. It's, Lying it's about a- your height online is easier than just not getting a role. This is true. Yeah. But it's funny because, you know, and we're skipping ahead, but we don't have to go in a linear fashion. They both, they also read very different heights to me. I don't know about the two of you, but I, yeah. I assumed that they were very different heights. And then when I was like, oh, I guess they are the same. Cause that was one of my big plot, you know, holes when they swap is I was just like, what? That's not the same. Size oh, person. You, okay. you can't start getting into that, Dana. We yeah. can't start with the, we'll get, sorry, we're, we're too, yeah. It's the a voices. Yeah. There's quite yeah. a few things that are wrong with the the face swapping technology. But yeah, anyway, back to back to the beginning where we set up the whole ridiculous premise of this film. Do you enjoy AI as a villain? SAG and WGA arguments aside right now, <laughs> we support our strikes. Um, podcasts and critics, et cetera, are clear, just so it's clear. <laughs> I did not enjoy AI as a villain. Like as a as an idea. Like I wanted to like it, but it just was really hard for me to grasp the idea of an entity. I kept on like flashing to a superhero movie. Um, mm. That's how it read for me, where it was just like, or super, either superhero or supernatural, where it was like the entity. Mm. It just didn't feel really well defined as it like does in Terminator or mm-hmm. um, other movies. So I didn't love it. I mean, I'll be very open. I hated it just because <laughs> I miss the days of, uh, you know, the villain is a bun villain and it's like one yeah. dude who wants to take over the world and i know that's so simplistic but i think the oh, the yeah. conceptualizing of a space whatever cloud is is but then it has to like take over physical things i'm like it doesn't who cares it doesn't care it shouldn't care ai doesn't care <laughs> it's a robot <laughs> right i mean i i tend to really like ai as a villain oh other okay sorts of forms i I'm a Terminator girl. I always love that. I watched uh, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, the TV show, okay. very deeply. I mean, I like it as a concept because it feels inevitable and so scary. And then you hope that there's like, a, like in all those stories, there's this glimmer of, well, what if it's sentient? What if it can have feelings? What if there's like a hope to convince it of something else? Mm. And this one had none of that. And none of like <laughs> the interesting layers of like of conversation around machine learning, which is mm. like, can it learn? What makes us human? What makes us machine? At what point do do having thoughts create having feelings? This movie wasn't interested in that. This movie was just interested in AI as a weapon, which is fine, but kind of flat to me. Yeah, I, I will. I, I will take my thing back. Whereas there are plenty of films that do AI well. Terminator is one. I think Matrix is another. Yeah. But- recently I feel like we've been getting a very dumbed down version where yeah. I'm just like please make it stop <laughs> well this just feels like it's like um you know like another apple product gone off the rails like it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it's a sophisticated sort of they're not interested in examining the yeah, greater yeah. implications of of what what makes us people versus machines well and also with AI it it 
like the audience is left to ponder like, oh God, these are all the ways it can go wrong. I want a simple, mm-hmm. you know, a simple villain that my hero can solve the problem, you know, that easily, right. like for a simple solution. The other problem with AI is that it can be all knowing and then mm-hmm. you have an unbeatable villain and that's kind of boring too. So you well, have to create limits. Right. So what I was going to say is I love, though, that the solution to it is literally just like we have to stick a USB key in something, you know, yeah. like this is our way of punching it to death is that we're just going <laughs> to turn it off and on again. You know, it's just like it's just the off and on switch is buried somewhere. <laughs> just like this is IT 101. <laughs> like That's the stakes of this three hour movie. And I'm going to assume the second half is going to be three hours. I'm like six hours. Of my life will be dedicated to turning it off and on again. <laughs> Oh, if we're lucky, if they don't split the next one into like fast, which I'm not complaining about fast, <laughs> but I could see this becoming a trilogy again, too. Based on your comment about the sitting down scenes, though, maybe Tom Cruise is getting tired. <laughs> Perhaps. You know? So I'm, I'm going to leave ahead here because one of the things, you know, there's the stunt in this one, right? And Tom Cruise is eligible. <laughs> he is not. A young, he's doing great. Doing a good, good job. You know, good job, Tom. Did the stunt live up to your expectations? Did you see it beforehand? Like, were you impressed by it? And were you sad that there was not another action piece of this like that? Because it basically felt like there was just that. Oh, to I me. disagree. Okay. Because I felt like the train was an even bigger, better set piece. Oh, okay. Because like I the, loved what happened with each level car. Of the train. <laughs> yeah, the video game sort of sequence of the train. I yeah. thought that was really fantastic. I mean, all the different levels of getting to the train, which is the big stunt. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. And fighting on top of it, fighting within it. And then each sort of train car falling off of that cliff. I thought that was pretty tremendous. Uh, just as a sidebar. Yeah, no, I, I didn't think about that. I think the thing that, you know, kind of kept them apart for me is like, they made it very clear that the jump off a cliff like an idiot was done, like practical. I assumed that more CG, etc., was involved in the train cars. Oh, but perhaps. I could be wrong. What do you think, Grin? Mm. You did you saw the set yeah. beforehand too, right? I saw it briefly. I thought it was really, really good and also smart marketing because most of the you know behind the scenes doesn't show the obviously the full stunt or like how it looks in the movie, but we get enough of it to see just the the scope of it and so getting to see it on the big screen instead of like on those tire like tiny little phone screens or on like a youtube screen finally was really exciting um and then to have it go into the train scene right as you know we're still sort of marveling over the fact that not only is this scene in the movie but it's also actually you know tom cruise actually did it was really really fun too that is, that's so funny. I, not, no, you know, it's, but I'm just like, oh, this is truly changing some of my perspective on it. Cause I, I saw it before. And I was like, oh, they blew their wad. You know, I didn't, <laughs> I, I just because I think starting with what's the one with the Burj Khalifa jump. Oh yeah. That's, um, that's fast. Was that <laughs> six or seven? Oh, oh no, sorry. I'm talking about the mission impossible one. Oh, you're right. That one also had the Burj Khalifa. I think that's three. three okay. But either way, starting starting with that one, I feel like the marketing has all centered around like the stunt, right? There's the stunt. We show you the bits before. We're going to jump out of plane. We're going to do whatever. And I kind of wish for this one I hadn't seen it because once it happened, I was like, cool, that's it. We did it. You know, and that's mm-hmm. why I maybe wrote off the train scene because I that's it. But th- this was all a larger question to ask. What do you think the stunt is going to be in the next one? Is he going to go to space in a self-made car? <laughs> hmm. What would you want it to be? like? I would really love to see, similar to Mission Impossible 2, I would love to see him like 
free climbing again. Um, mm. I think that would take it back to the tangible. And since we're all expecting some sort of like, he's going to go to space, he's going to go underwater. <laughs> I mean, maybe he'll, he'll, oh yeah, like, I guess he, yeah, yeah. He could go underwater and I wouldn't be upset about that. But if, if the stunts and the marketing for the movie are partially about reminding us that, you know, Tom Cruise does all of his own stunts, this is not, you know, stunt doubles or CGI. I would love to see something that is a little more grounded, mm. like, yeah, mm. like rock climbing or maybe free diving is that what it's called yeah i don't know yeah it is yeah yeah <laughs> rebecca do you have hopes and dreams for i'm not sure because i i agree with you guys like the escalation feels like the next thing is outer space or the deep sea which i think he already did some like deep sea breathing and doing stuff before yeah um, i think one of them the stunt was like he held his breath and three held... minutes or something like that and yeah whatever it was <laughs> i remember that because what you know, as I, I would watch it, I would also try and hold my breath and see if I could do it. Right, right, right. It's like it's just not more than <laughs> ten seconds. Uh, <laughs> but I feel like I agree with Rand. I think something more grounded would be really nice as a counterpoint. Because after space, after the deep sea, I mean, there's just time travel, and other movies are doing that too. Oh. So I feel like, you know, keeping it keeping it realistic. Maybe he's like climbing Mount Everest with one hand or some shit. I I would love to see that, but also space, space. Um, I you know I I think the difference between like a Mission Impossible and a, a Fast franchise is that people were joking around about them going to space and they're like fuck it, we're gonna go to space. I do. I will say actually, now that you bring up you know the the two kind of competing um, action movies, the disappointing action sequence for me not disappointing, but the one where I was like oh come on like. I don't want to see this is when they're in Rome and they're like, mm. like careening around the steps and then basically have this big set piece on the very same steps that happened yeah. in yeah. five or sorry, in, yeah. in the newest fast. And that yeah. was like, yeah, that was a little disappointing just because I'd already seen it before and they couldn't have helped that both movies were coming out at the same time, except maybe, but Rome is having a year. Rome is, uh, they rebuilt it fast for, you know. Yeah. That that scene does lead me to an important question. Do you think Tom Cruise is capable of romantic chemistry at this point? Okay. Yes, but only because of how it was in like Mission Impossible 3 when he had that romance with his wife. No, no. I, the, Tom Cruise, the actor. Oh. Because I, I, and I'm curious, uh, I, did, did I mean, you it, read that setup as like potentially romantic with him and Haley Atwell? Like the car, you know, there were some innuendos and, and, okay. Yes, I did. However, and I, I will address your question about Tom Cruise, the man. <laughs> can he, can he still get it? Or, or does like he the have on-screen Tom energy? Cruise, right? Like does he right. able to include? Yes. Yeah. But I will say just for plot reasons, just for these films, the reason he can't have any real chemistry with Haley Atwell is because his heart's been broken by his wife leaving. And he had this, you know, this little taste of what it could be to be in love and it was ripped away and now he can never love again. So at least there's like a sort of, you know, glossed over reason within the films that he can't have a romantic connection with another sure. woman. Yeah. But well, to your point, do I think Tom Cruise has like, like a sexual energy with anyone on screen? No, not so much. Friend, do you agree? Or are you just like, no, you can get it? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to go with no. In terms of the care, I, I don't know. I 
I couldn't tell what was happening with Haley Atwell, like whether it was like a mentor mentee sort of vibe, which is sort of what I got, or like she was more into him and he was again saying my wife, my ex-wife, and now this new like ex-love that we have seen at the beginning beginning of this movie for the first time. One of the like the most fun parts about Mission Impossible 2 was this like great love story and then we get to have it again in three and so i'm not opposed to the idea of bringing romance back into the mission impossible series i don't know if tom cruise is capable of that stunt that's the ultimate stunt for the next one is that (gasps) tom cruise shows that he could be a romantic lead (laughs) love love is the ultimate stunt oh we solved it you can have that for free paramount (laughs) What what a tagline oh my god Oh, oh, I'm putting that in the description of the episode description. Don't worry. That's it. <laughs> That's so good. I mean, oh. it feels like Tom Cruise is in like the kind of the rock era of his career where he's just not going to be sexual on screen. And we've moved away from that for him. That That is what, but then my question is like, why even remotely write? Because he has so mm. much control over the Mission Impossible films, right? Like why yeah. even, you know, the Top Gun uh, Maverick, like there, there was like you know, allusions to sex and, and all that stuff. And I was just like, What's that? <laughs> I mean, they like, <laughs> don't they get caught in his, she he like jumps out a window, you know, like they were they're going like, to bone. <laughs> they're, they're like semi-clothed in bed. And it, Rin said this because we watched it together. She said it looked like a Viagra commercial, which it did. <laughs> yes, it did. Yeah. 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 It's like a very no, it's, expensive I, Viagra commercial. <laughs> right. But that's like, okay, you know. There's only one female character at that one of age, of the appropriate age, versus this. It's just like, there are, what is happening? There were so many women in this, all who look alike, by the way, not with the masks on. And I was like, why would you set up Haley Atwell for this? I find well, it upsetting. And it's also so weird because there's such a big discussion about like the woman, the women you love will like all die because of you. Mm-hmm. And so there's that, but there's not really the romantic, like, I guess they care about him. I guess he has some sort of thing with Rebecca Ferguson also. I guess maybe he has a thing with Haley Atwell. It's all like a a very big question mark about what exactly is his relationship with each of these women. I would have preferred it be like he is Rebecca Ferguson's like business colleague and they are, you know, they're they're, um, disavowed besties who have each other's back. Um, (laughs) They're they're work wives, you know? (laughs) Yeah, they're work wives. And like you can still have a like a great relationship with Tom Cruise and, and um, vice versa, but like, it doesn't have to be romantic for it to, to matter. Um, right. And it just, it just would have helped me like, d- d- like clearly separate them a little more easily. I definitely thought I, cause I, again, I didn't remember anything going. I was like, Oh, he and Rebecca Ferguson must have, I felt it was more, even more implied that like they had had a past, which made, which made the, the uh, the second major sitting down scene with you know the white widow etc made no sense whatsoever when it was just like hey pick between Haley Atwell who you've just met and who has screwed you over at every corner and Rebecca Ferguson who you clearly like have some connection with and he's like hey you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Haley Atwell yeah that was baffling I really didn't understand like you guys are both saying his relationships with either woman like did these women clearly felt safe around him, but were they attracted to him? Were, was he like a father figure? I couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you're right. His motivation for picking one over the other just made no sense at all. But uh, I will say disavowed besties is 
going to be the name of my fanfic for all future Ooh. Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> I love it. And it all ends with them just happily platonically existing together. <laughs> Such good friends. Such good friends. <laughs> Would watch it. I'd watch it. You know, Mission Impossible 9. The, the, the epilogue <laughs> is just all those folks. I am curious. So you both had things you wanted to discuss. What are some of your favorite? What are, what are your burning talking points from this film? Well, we we did already touch on like the the sitting down scenes, which I was internally screaming about while watching, um, mm-hmm. just because I would like to know like what was what was the purpose of those? Could we have taken them out and still understood the whole movie? I think so. Like I didn't need <laughs> I didn't need the the henchman's speech about like the means justify the end, even though that is sort of like a, a an action movie trope also. Um, yeah. But I just didn't. I don't know. I didn't really feel like I needed it for this movie. So <laughs> it's just at a club. I'm like, this is the worst place to have this conversation. Even though oh, it's yeah. the, the, the AI dome, like it's loud in here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I we could talk about the villain a little bit. I love uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Like, am I saying his last name right? Was Mads Mikkelsen? Is Saeed Morales? I. Uh-oh. You're thinking oh my gosh, I'm thinking of Indiana Jones. That had a, tr- a major train set piece. <laughs> I'm thinking about the other one I just saw last weekend, Indiana Jones. I'm totally sorry. Fair. You know what? <laughs> I would have, has Mads Mikkelsen been in a Mission Impossible film yet? Because honestly, he would be I so good. He should. Mm, yeah, he, he was a great. He was so good. He was a great villain in Casino Royale also. Yep. I yeah, mean, and Hannibal. Uh, but um, all right, I'm just going to shut up because I messed up all this no no i mean but, but you were but you were, you did not in that we've had two major train scenes you know train set pieces we've also had two roman set car chases like there is there's something in the the writer's air right now that is kind of uh <laughs> everyone's on the same like vibe totally but isai um, morales is our uh minion sort of that's right uh, we can definitely talk about him um what did you guys think of him as a villain it's just I don't, I don't understand the sort of uh, religious zealotry towards this yeah. AI thing. I was like, is that the theme we're going with for the next one? Like, is this going to turn into some sort of, you know, reckoning with the religion? And is this how we get to space where I get aliens? Ooh. Also, I, I don't know your backgrounds. I hope I'm not offending anyone. <laughs> I don't know if either of you are Scientologists. But <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> did you watch Mrs. Davis? Oh my god, I loved Mrs. Day. I thought that did AI so well, like right. so brilliantly well. So if I feel like if there had been a Mrs. Davis sort of aspect of this AI, like a reason that this villain would be so loyal to it, that mm-hmm. would have made more sense to me. But I didn't really see a reason why he would side with this computer system for anything, <laughs> or or why he gave a crap even about hunting Tom Cruise down. It seems like he already got what he wanted from him. Yeah. So I that, that like this discussion sort of makes me think I didn't see Miss Davis, but it does make me think of two things: uh, the Mummy and also season two of Warrior Nun, which also featured um, similar like uh, religious fanatics acting on uh-huh. behalf of their you know their god. Okay, I feel like like we both said it didn't make sense. His character could have sort of been taken out, and it could have all operated through technology. Like the entity, like who's to say the entity couldn't have just like shut down their trains or like screwed with their bank accounts without his help. I don't know why it didn't. (laughs) Right. Right. So, and then in terms of a villain, I mean, I sort of felt like I knew Rebecca Ferguson was going to, spoiler alert, die the minute 
she didn't die the first time or like the minute <laughs> there are two or three women <laughs> in this God movie, forbid. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So when when she dies, there's like, oh, okay, well, that's going to happen. And like the whole prophetic nature of him saying like, one of you will die and, and the okay. key will be returned to me at this hour of the clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just kind of yeah. like, eh. Okay. <laughs> I did I did like that she got a fight scene and it wasn't like mm. a it was like a, a decently choreographed fight scene, you know, it seemed like she got her own stunt coordinator who did like, you know, custom to her stuff. But I just the, the ridiculousness of like isn't he usually he, I feel like either I'm picturing him as or he was just like constantly dressed in white the mm. the December and and obviously they've named him Gabriel and I'm just like this is why I just keep thinking they're leaning towards some sort of meta commentary, but when it doesn't materialize, I'll be fine. Because <laughs> like, I, I don't think they'll do it well. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how religious the Tom Cruise movie would get now, given his but, religion. Right. That's mm-hmm. why. But maybe he's trying to say it's a bad thing. Where right? You know. Mm. I don't know. I'm giving. I'm giving us more credence than <laughs> I did. I did say for two AI's credit slash CG. De-aged Isai Morales slash like young him, they did a very good job. Cause this is why I assumed it was footage we'd seen before. Cause I was like, oh wow. Right. He is not aged well. Well, and they de-aged Tom Cruise too. Yeah. That was not as good. <laughs> no. <laughs> I will say on the topic of um uh Rebecca Ferguson getting her own fight scene, I feel like everybody did sort of have their own little fight scenes. And I loved yeah. Haley Atwell's introduction, um, plus like all the like the fun switcheroos and the, you know, everybody's chasing each other in the airport, in the Dubai airport, mm-hmm. um, right at the beginning. I thought that was a fun way to start us off in the movie and kind of get us after, up, up to speed and moving after the slowness of that uh, uh, government scene. We, we needed close-up magic tricks to <laughs> <laughs> get us, get us okay. on the right track. Some of us are still wrangling for our magic castle invitation, Dana. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I have not. I, you know, I we oh. we could never reveal our secrets. Neither can Haley Atwell, because you know, <sighs> what's the, what are they in Arrested Development? Not the Guild. Oh yes. Oh my gosh, what is it called? Oh God, the Alliance. Oh, are they uh, the Alliance of Magicians? Okay. Anyway, we don't want to oh. piss off the Alliance of Magicians or whatever the Magic Castle real version is called. <laughs> <laughs> I actually let's go back to that airport scene. This is my other issue with AI and that type of technology as a villain is like, you know, the 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 live script. Well, actually, no. They, I mean, they had this on their side too, but the live scrambling of the mm-hmm. you know security cameras and then literally erasing somebody from visibility. You know, all that stuff. I was just like, this is this is impossible. Like, this does make it impossible, and therefore, I don't care because there are no stakes. You, we lose. Period. Mm-hmm. It's over. You know. Okay, to play devil's advocate just a little bit. <laughs> You're a fan of mirrors. <laughs> I am. I do love mirrors. <laughs> and they that's they reveal real people. Got it. <laughs> that that part was very silly. Uh, but but you know, like there is technology in our basic phone cameras now to remove pe- like people out of images. The AI can figure out what was behind the person almost oh, immediately. No, no, I, so yeah, I it could happen. It, no, that's what I'm saying. It's so doable that oh. it's just like, what's the point? You know, if they're going to implement it on this scale and, right. you know, all this stuff, like, what's, what? what? 
he, he loses. He, we lose. He the good guys lose. You know. I mean, they know right. the good guys employ it, but they're fighting a supercomputer. Like the quantum computing wins. Right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. The yeah. the the scope of its powers have become so big that there's no point anymore. Yeah. And and you know, even if like if as it's shown, it can foil law enforcement officials and all this stuff. It's just like, well, yeah, it's already won. I don't know what it's waiting for. I don't know what its end game is, aside from to weirdly torture Tom Cruise through Gabriel. You're right. If it has all this power, why not do whatever it wants to do now instead of waiting to thwart someone from getting the USB drive to plug it into itself? Yeah, and then reset it. (laughs) Again, actually, Rin, you really should watch Mrs. Davis because I was like, that is a way I would be satisfied. That's not the exact ending of it, but you know, it is an interesting way to deal with it. Where would you rank this in the Mission Impossible series so far for you? Hmm. You don't have to give like an exact number, but. Okay, good. (laughs) Um, I think I would rank this. I mean, it's definitely not my favorite Mission Impossible because I loved three. I loved two. Um, The most recent one I really, uh, most recent one I really enjoyed, even though I don't really remember the plot that well. Um, (laughs) But I think this is sort of a middling entry for me. I really enjoyed the train sequence. I had a lot of fun with the characters. There were a lot of women in it. And even though like, They didn't have a ton going on. I liked seeing them. So I think this is sort of in the middle for me. Okay. Rin? You ever come in with like a really hot opinion and you're like, I'm going to stick to this opinion. It's going to be so great. And then you're suddenly like, oh, wait, I'm going to change this. Um, Uh, Yes, all the time. I literally constantly, you know, it's, it's, we can hold multiple truths at different points in time. (laughs) That's where I'm at right now. I I so much want to like it just for like Mm -hmm. kind of all the reasons Rebecca, you just mentioned. And I did have a great time. I like this world is really fun. I like all these characters. I think this might be towards the bottom of my pile. I need something mm-hmm. a little more grounded in just like not technology, um, mm-hmm. a little more human foibles of, you know, he looked that way. We went that way um, sort of silliness. And I really, really enjoyed the last one. I wish they had brought more of the characters from that back in. Yeah, it just sort of felt like a reboot that didn't work for me. So I think this is actually at the bottom of my pile of Mission Impossible. I, I'm I'm actually with you. I did not. I mean, in the moment, I was like, okay, this is fine. This is good. You know, I think we're still coming back to summer blockbusters and like getting used to them again. So I was like, all right, this is fine. But too long. I think mm-hmm. splitting this one up, like... You know, I know that Fast X did it and it was the most absurd cliffhanger in the history, literal cliffhangers. And, you know, (laughs) by the same token, I was like, did this need to be called parts one and two? Like, they probably could have just had it end that way. And and we would have been like, oh, there's clearly another one coming. But by setting this expectation of these are tied together so clearly, I was just like, no, this is bad. (laughs) Like, this is not good. And I didn't love the... I mean, the action was fine, but I thought that throwing yourself off a cliff was utterly unhinged. It's like, there's no reason to do this. The logic of this is so contrived. Also, I heard that they filmed it first in case he died, um, you know, and the production had to shut down. I was like, the fact that you're doing something that could, like, put all these people's, you know, jobs in jeopardy as a whole for entertainment, like, is a little much for me. When you think about it, that stunt where he's on his motorcycle is kind of the equivalent of Michael Scott following his GPS into that lake. Into, yes. In the <laughs> because he's just tell- like someone on the other end, Simon Pegg is telling him like, you go this way. And he's like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah. just keep going. That is a perfect analogy. <laughs> <laughs> 
That and that's the character of Ethan Hunt. He's just like, well, we were told to do this, so I got it. I gotta do it. I gotta listen <laughs> to the rules, even though I used to be a rule breaker. <laughs> like, all right, bro. <laughs> I can see a version of this movie where Ethan Hunt kind of checks in with himself about that and then starts working with the AI to bring down on the governments that have like really destroyed things because you know and disavowed all his friends I would watch that so hard but <laughs> yeah I don't think we'll ever see Tom Cruise play like a bad guy again uh, I, I don't think so but... either yeah really I think about like collateral or um that was what, 2005? Yeah, was I don't know why. Ago, I still remember right. that it was in 2005. Like, I didn't even particularly like that movie. But anyway, no, he seems to have moved in, much like your rock, yeah. and, you know, comparison. And The Rock has played bad guys, you know, recently. But for some reason, Tom Cruise has moved into this like paragon only state. <laughs> yeah, he totally has. But given that, you know, they've said the last one, the next one's the last one, my, my actual last question on Mission Impossible is. Who would you hand the franchise to if they were to reboot it? Ooh. Ooh. That's a great question. You can either look for, you know, a new character, like a new lead actor, a new director, a new actress. But yeah, who would you be interested in seeing kind of helm or lead the next iteration? Kind of like the, you know, James Bond changes hands. Yeah. It'd be nice to see a woman as Ethan. This is wild, but maybe like a, but she's great. So don't laugh, but like a Kiki Palmer even. Oh, I would watch the hell out of that. <laughs> like somebody who's fun and funny mm-hmm. and unexpected as an action star. I always really liked that. Like in Nobody, which Rin mentioned earlier, that's Bob Odenkirk um, as a, an action hero. So I would like to see someone like a Kiki Palmer in this role. It's interesting about Nobody because I thought Nobody was decent, but I was like, I just don't quite believe Bob Odenkirk is, with the physical prowess of that mm-hmm. at, at his age. Whereas weirdly, I don't believe Tom Cruise at it. But I think it's because because Bob Odenkirk has built his career on being, you know, a funny guy. As, or at least, I, or Better Call Saul, which is more serious. But, you know, I was like, oh. I bought it. But maybe because I heard him talking on the podcast about how he only ate like steamed chicken for a year and he worked out 100 <laughs> hours a day. Ah, so I'm like, okay, he's really doing it. He's doing the punches. That's, yeah, that's fair. Rin, do you have a, a dream? I don't. I'm trying to think of somebody. I think partly because I just love the show, but I think any one of the younger cast members from the show Yellow Jackets would be mm. a really interesting choice just because the character of Ethan is has to like contain all these like secrets from the people he loves, the people, you know, his government, the, the villains. And I think all of them really display, I mean, they they do that in the show also. And so I think any of the lead cast members from the younger cast would be an interesting choice. That would be very interesting. I would definitely watch that as well. I'm trying mm-hmm. to decide who I, I don't have an answer to this question, even though I posed it because I came up with it on the spot. Part of me wants to see, you know, much like James Bond, a person of color or, yeah. you know, a woman or a woman of color, but I, I, she's already been in the franchise, but like Tandy Newton or. Oh, I love her. I love her and everything. I could see her. She can she's also be great. very funny. So I was like, hmm. And she's been in the franchise, so she could just come back. I don't right. Think yeah, yeah that's why I'm like, yeah. it's, not, it's not a leap. We've, I mean, we've clearly weirdly brought women back before for this, so. <laughs> I feel like it's it's hard because she's already in, you know, Marvel. But I feel like Florence Pugh would also be really, really fun. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also funny and able to handle action and drama. Yeah. So, yeah. I do, I do wonder if they are setting Haley Atwell up for it since oh. she did join. 
now that we've said this. I'm like, oh, perhaps. Or spin off. Maybe a spin off. Yeah, I thought she was good. I thought she was underutilized, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I think they were like, Same. too many women. We have to split the time too evenly. <laughs> Kill one of them. Right. We can't have them all here. Yeah. They look too much like, oh, we didn't talk about the train ridiculousness oh, no. of the swap. Yeah. Where I kept waiting for her henchman to notice that she has different colored <laughs> eyes. Well, and hair. And the hair is completely different. He would notice that, that. That I didn't necessarily expect him to notice. But I was just like, come on, man. Her eyes are different. You see her every day. <laughs> no? Okay. And again, I thought they were going to be different heights. But there we go. Well, that's the whole thing about you can't. we can't talk too much about mask technology. Because then it's like, are you also replicating like heights body shapes like if this is her brother he's gonna know how she walks like it's all these things that you just sort of have to go okay cool yeah the mask thing okay (laughs) they're all character actors now great yay (laughs) magic technology yay (laughs) okay well it sounds like you know we we had a decent time on the spot but this does not Seem like it rank will well you know what maybe maybe two will force it to rank in the pantheon much higher but we will have to wait to see <laughs> but the question of the podcast is we're watching what what have you all been watching lately that has got you excited and hopefully more excited than mission impossible dead reckoning part one i yeah i have my watch list here i've been watching cruel summer okay which i loved the first season of cruel summer Rin and i watched it together it had some really great juicy twists and turns. And so far, this one isn't really doing it for me, but I'm still <laughs> plugged in. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I just started Justified City Primeval, which I am very, very excited about because I am a huge Justified fan. I it's I think it should be ranked in the pantheon of like top, top, top tier television series ever with Sopranos, Buffy, um, The West Wing, Wire. It's phenomenal. And so... I had very high expectations going into City Primeval, and so far I'm pretty happy. Okay. So I recommend that one highly. And then just to mix it up, I'm also watching uh, Welcome to Crappy Lake, which uh, is... Yeah, I'm watching that as well. <laughs> which is a blast. Um, and that's in addition to my regular diet of Bravo, which is all the housewife shows that are on, um, as long, along with uh, all the 90-day shows that are on, which I'm also consuming. But Crappy Lake is really, really fun. I thought it would be a little bit more mean-spirited or a little tacky because it's, you know, Sonia and Luann crashing a small town's local economy, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but it's delightful and funny. As as Which- someone who has dealt with sort of that, those, that, those tendrils of uh, the television world, do you think they are actually staying in that motel? That is my top question. You know what? I actually think Sonia and Luann would stay at that hotel. Well, it just seems like there's would. no other places for them to stay. Because, you know, sometimes they'll put yeah. people up in, uh, what was the I show? I think they um, are. Yeah. Good, good on them. Good sports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's as real as it can get, just given the way they're reacting and living in that space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, they've chosen a town where it seems like there's literally no, like, backup hotel that's actually, like, a Ritz-Carlton no. for them to secretly stay at. <laughs> oh, I don't <laughs> but, think so. <laughs> okay. Rin, what have you been watching of late? Well, to fill fill my uh, you know Vanderpump Rules void, oh, for the void, yeah. <laughs> uh, what do we do? I've been watching Bachelorette with Rebecca, which hmm. has not quite filled the void that Scandaval has left. Um, but tried and true format. That's always fun to watch. And then I just saw the movie Theater Camp, ah. which 
I enjoyed immensely as, you know, it was really made by and for theater kids. <laughs> so I have not seen it yet, but I saw the ads and I was like, yeah, this seems right. <laughs> I went to school with plenty of people who did and it was just really, really fun. Um, it was sort of just like a mishmash of all the tropes that you could possibly think of done it in a very sweet way and like with enough fight that it was funny, but not malicious or not making fun of yeah yeah it was just really really fun and i like laughed a ton during the movie and walked out feeling really happy so highly recommend yeah. all <laughs> yeah. right now see now i'm scared because i went to film camp and we had we were at the oh. same time as theater camps were happening because it was all like one big arts thing and i just remember it was the year wicked it was <laughs> wicked had just hit like oh no mass oh, no. you know popularity and all of yeah. these kids who just can't hit those notes like Adina Menzel oh, could barely hit those notes every day you know she could hit them but not and you know I was I, it, it made me never want to see Wicked honestly I finally saw it but you know it was I don't know if I'm gonna be able to watch this movie now now that I'm thinking about it <laughs> I think yeah Grim, you might, might have the highest oh sorry you might have the highest tolerance for theater types theater camp peoples that uh, than Dana or I so um, but this movie does sound fun. I just, I think too, I would have flashbacks from my performing arts high school with a lot of musicals sung in the halls at strange pitches. See, that's the, I could barely handle a week of it, but maybe two hours, you know, two hours seems reasonable. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. it's, I think it's about, I mean, I don't think it's a full oh, two hours. It's probably hours. tight 90, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. that movie's not and, two hours. <laughs> and to be fair, I wouldn't, I 100% was one of the kids singing Wicked on like my skiing school bus who could not hit those notes. So like, why not? Might skip this one. But my thing is, is if it's all like everyone's in on it, that's great, right? If the school bus is only the theater kids, go ahead, live your best lives. But if you have like the dark, sad film nerds in the back or like, leave <laughs> us alone. <laughs> you know? Let us have our cameras. No, I can't. Um, my my question to you would be, like, did the film camp compete with the musical theater camp? Because if so, then you might enjoy this movie, too. Uh, we did not. It was just completely, we were all just housed in, uh, you know, the, the larger program. It was at you know, down at UCLA, actually. And, like, you know, that they just shipped a bunch of art kids off to the same place. I was like, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> but that is theater camps in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thank you both so much. Thank you for coming to Mission Impossible. And uh, I was going to say suffering, but we didn't suffer really. <laughs> Sometimes I make, no. I usually, I feel like I've traumatized a lot of people in this podcast by making them watch certain things. So I'm glad you two were willing participants. <laughs> what a delight. Oh, yeah. Thank yeah. you both so much. <laughs> a huge thank you to Rebecca and Rin for joining. For Rebecca, you can watch season 17 of The Real Housewives of Orange County every Wednesday on Bravo. And she also worked on the series Match Me Abroad, which is having its finale, which by the way, if you are a 90 Day Fiance, fan this is going to absolutely be for you and then as for Rin she has actually made us a very generous offer she is the owner of Renaissance Media which is a copywriting service for online business owners who want killer advertising copy without sacrificing their time and so as a listener of this you can get 10% off a copy package when you use the code W3POD at booking that's W is in water the number three and then pod as in podcast that has been it for this episode thank you so much for joining if you enjoyed it we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.